0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knipe here with... Always typical, Lydia. Today's show we're gonna be doing the 1986 glammed out club hopping, classy classic vamp.
1: It is classy, classy. Yes, classic. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's got an arrow release. That's like I picked this up at Young Ones in Pennsylvania when I was visiting Chris from Bind Torture Cast, and he had spotted it there and wanted us to cover this and i wanted to cover it quite badly this is one i used to have on vhs so i'd have to say that in my head canon it is a classic
0: i fucking hate
1: that term so fucking much and you've already used it once today my hatred of it is renewed my evergreen hatred of this new fake term that dumb people made up on the internet sorry i'm ranting
0: You are. It's so early in the episode and I can feel the hostility, but let's put that to bed. Let's put that away because let's talk a little bit about why you wanted to do this movie. This is a Lydia pick or a Chris pick slash Lydia pick kind of become one entity as far as I'm concerned. And I think that uh, it's, it's, Does well for us to wonder why. Why? Of all the vampire movies, you're a woman that dabbles in vampire literature. You know a lot about vampires. So what so when you pick a vampire movie, like I'm a carpetbagger. I've just I like vampires. Look how pretty Rachel Lee Cook is. Like I'm an idiot, right? I just like fucking that's a reference to another conversation. But like you, you're just like vampires. I have my own lore. I've created things, I've created something from nothing. And so when you give props to vampire. Film and literature, people should pay attention. So why? Why
1: yeah, why, why do I pick Vamp out of all of them? I pick uh, the John Hughes fucking vampire
0: movie. Which is another thing about you. This is how we got into the Rachel Lee Cook of it all. I was talking about teen comedies. Anyways, John Hughes, a director that did a lot of films in the 1980s, particularly around when Vamp was coming out, decided a new way to do cinema, a new way to incorporate teen characters, how they interacted with each other, how they spoke, and chief amongst all of these aspects of a John Hughes film, the music. How does the music, the score, contribute, and how that was incorporated into his film techniques? Can he use contemporary stuff to contribute to the overall effect of any given scene?
1: where this doesn't dial in the music quite like john hughes was capable but they do uh, a very good job of using like grace jones not only Mm. as a star but they use her music uh, for her scene in this and dream syndicate they use some other i guess radio music because all the music does seem very like radio friendly a lot like the john hughes music of the time was so this really sits with me as like a john hughes style a horror film which isn't something i normally watch and it's a comedy it's it really is a comedy um it's not one of those ones that sort of straddle the line of really grotesque and over-the-top extreme horror with comedy in it it is a straight-up comedy which is so not lydia
0: particularly we have done films before that seem like it's the start of Meatballs or it's the start of Revenge of the Nerds or something, Terror Train comes to mind. Yeah. This film starts out in much the same way. So what is it about this that fascinates you so much that you want to talk about? Because, again, you're a woman of contradictions. This contradicts a lot of what I would think. If I were to watch Vamp on my own, I would. it would not occur to me that this was something that you would like.
1: No, really? Okay, yeah. Everyone, everyone in the in the planet is a unique snowflake, and I am the the meltiest snowflake of it all, of them all. Okay. It's just a fun movie. It was a fun movie that I used to like watching over and over. I had it on VHS, like I said. I watched it a lot, and no one seemed to be interested to watch it with me. If it were on, people would like leave the room, and I never understood because it's not like a grotesque horror movie which would chase a lot of people out of a mm-hmm. room. It's not. Like a can't be teen film that doesn't really fit with like an older crowd like my parents and stuff like that. They had no interest. No one seemed to be interested in this film, and for some reason, it just really stuck with me. And it's not just the the Grace Jones of it all because her scene is iconic and really a wonderful thing. People just didn't seem interested in that, and I don't really hear people talk about it, so it was. It seemed like a good choice for splatter pictures. It also has some pretty decent creature effects for the time. It was on par, I thought, with Fright Night and a far more interesting story to me than Fright Night even. But Fright Night has legions of fans Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: and a remake for Crying Out
0: Loud. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It does, yeah.
1: Where this just, you know, in my mind, sits on the same echelon, if not higher, but gets... None of that from other people. So I always found that kind of interesting. And it does talk about things like the fraternity lifestyle, uh, alcohol use, uh, marginalized people, disposable people, as it is. Some kind of heavy things that you could draw out of this if you were so inclined. Um, so I just thought it always warranted a little more conversation or at least other people to watch it. But I guess there's people out there that are interested because it does have this wonderful re-release mm-hmm. that I've now shoved down your throat.
0: <laughs> I saw Vamp when I was quite young. I didn't remember a whole hell of a lot about it. I probably saw it on TV. There was some choice scenes that I do remember. And as sequences were unfolding in front of me, I did. I was getting some memory flooded back to me but for the most part i didn't really remember this film whatsoever vamp is a film that i would see in and around hmvs when they were still around uh in our area in in the discount bin you could you could get one for five for 15 or or something like that and i now looking back on it i wonder why i never picked it up probably because the dvd box art is not very grabbing it's basically just grace jones it's a it's a frame from the film and i hate when box art is that i can't stand when it's just here's a picture from the movie
1: eh. it's got the word vamp kind of stylized
0: right? it does it does but i i but this arrow release yeah is the new gorgeous cover looks, like amazing yeah
1: what i always found strange is well well before this the very few scant reviews there are everyone sort of approaches it with some sort of shame or reluctance hmm. and like there's so many horror films that get treated with so much more gravity than they really do. And so many people that review films with so much more celebration. Mm-hmm. Where this is just sort of like, oh yeah, remember that throwback? And it's like, well, like all the other fucking throwbacks you remember? Why is this one treated with such weird shame? And I never quite understood that. Um Watching it again, I went back and watched some grace jones videos because it is she is like such a perfect person for this role mm-hmm. Where still in in reviews that you would read contemporary reviews or even reviews at the time and people would be like grace jones question mark like why grace jones like why the fuck not have you watched any of her videos they're like horror movies all in and of themselves and especially uh and i watched it again last night because it is a pretty good video corporate cannibal it's a really good song too um, it's almost like Lynchian, and where she seemed to be ticking off all the boxes as far as what genre roles she could star in in different films.
0: Yeah, 19, I guess 1985's A View to a Kill is a mm-hmm. fucking Bond girl for Christ's sakes.
1: A, a really iconic and highly memorable Bond girl, at that.
0: Mm-hmm, She's too. just a
1: wonderful human to be looking at. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a, she was an actress from my youth that I would instantaneously recognizable even when you're a kid and you have a hard time remembering names of people and dates and and shit like that i remember trying to struggle to figure out what time tv shows i like to to watch were on back in the day but grace jones had that look just this statuesque beauty that you would instantly, oh, there she is in, in A View to a Kill. Oh, look, it's 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 her, it's her, I didn't know her name. And then you see Conan the Destroyer, and oh, oh, look at that, there there, there she is there, cool. All right, cool, she's like a warrior woman in this movie. All right, all right, and, and so very recognizable, you'd see music videos. Oh, oh, you would never mistake her for anybody else.
1: No, very, very true. Yeah, a lot like Annie Lennox from the Arrhythmics was another woman at that time that was as iconic and memorable to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and she is like, almost like a surreal person in and of herself, like with her film career, her music career, Grace Jones is as iconic as say, like Cher or Prince or Sting but way cooler because she has two names like a normal fucking person. So maybe a little more like relatable in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But at the on the other end of the spectrum, completely unrelatable because she really is like an artist's artist. And mm-hmm. even over and above people like Prince and Sting and David Bowie and stuff like that. And her music is just as good as all of that. For some reason, again, forgotten in much of the way that this film is too. I really urge people to go and revisit some Grace Jones and check out the corporate cannibal video because it's like she couldn't be in a David Lynch film or Max Headroom, so she made one herself.
0: <laughs> Max Headroom. Well, yeah,
1: mm. we're gonna throw right back to the '80s and things that are like forgettable and treated with some sort of shame. <laughs>
0: I mean, oh, not by Max me. Headroom. I love Max Headroom. I recently uh, educated a bunch of people in and around Christmas time. They didn't know what the the. Merry Christmas Santa Claus song, which by the way, there is evidence in this world of me doing a Max Headroom impression as a child with the scarf and in a big cardboard box that we had decorated like a TV. And I performed the Merry Christmas Santa Claus song. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. We're really, we're really dragging it out of you
0: today, aren't we? Shit. Talk about shame. But people. Right, but the Max, what's that? I'm like, what's Max Headroom? And it is this weird thing where people vaguely remember it once you show it to them. Grace Jones, even people listening to this episode might, right now might not know precisely who we're talking about. But I guarantee you, if you Google her, which I'm sure some of you are doing right now, you will see the image of her and be, oh, oh, right, right, right.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't know her name was Grace Jones. Something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe that was part of the excitement when I was a child because my and my mother would watch a lot of um, music videos on TV. They didn't have like a dedicated channel at the time. MTV hadn't come to Canada. We didn't have much music yet. And we used to watch Saturday night videos because music videos were relegated to the slot somewhere after all the late night talk shows or between the late night talk shows and the blue movies is where they played music videos. And Grace Jones was definitely there. Cool, alongside all those other John Hughes music type people.
0: When it comes to vampire movies of this decade, you had mentioned *Fright Night*. That was an '85 flick. This movie came out in 1996. Was also *Lost Boys*.
1: Mm-hmm. There's *Near
0: Dark*. There's this trend in the in these movies in this decade to transition vampires out of castles.
1: It's all those hip coke heads trying to drag them out of the gothic.
0: And and it's quite interesting because we started to see a change in the 1970s because there's Salem's Lot and then there's also um, Martin, which we've already covered on this.
1: Vampires are here, they're contemporary, and they're now, but they're hiding.
0: They're hiding. And also... There are old world ties. I think maybe the reason why Fright Night connects with people is because it is a world that treats vampires like Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee and Monster Vision on TV. So these this is a dumb concept that shitty black and white movies are about. And you don't have to worry about vampires being your neighbors. <laughs> and and. Vampires stopped being aristocrats, They they and they became punks and metalheads and drug addicts and the fringes of society. It was quite interesting. And in, in, in this film, Vamp, they're in the narrows. They're in the alleys. They are in this neighborhood that everyone kind of agrees upon that you don't go to, and they prey on the disenfranchised, the poor, the, the, the forgotten, the neglected. It's a kind of don't ask, don't tell type thing.
1: Yeah, there's even very distinct lines like people who come here don't tell people they're coming here, and this feeling that once you come here, you can never leave again, and that society almost wouldn't have you, even if you've only touched the fringe of this community of vampires that live in this almost like through the looking glass version of our cities. Because even at the very beginning, when they have come into the city, this place where this after dark club is they have this like whirlwind not in kansas anymore as one of the lines that they even throw out because they've gone through sort of like this vortex when their car does a spin out and the camera spins around and around and we go from a brightly lit bustling city to this like derelict um detroit or michigan looking you you you're think
0: you gonna see flaming trash cans are yeah. in and around the area that's the
1: weirdest thing
0: it really is
1: but it does start out with sort of like, um, it harkens to the gothic. There's two scenes in this actually that do ha- harken to these old gothic films that they were transitioning out of. I think you had called it like a transitionary vampire film, and it definitely is. There's only a small handful of them too. This is one that straddles that line because it is far more comedic than something like Fright Night. And-
0: True, but in, in many ways it's reflecting the mood of the country in which it was released this was what movies were becoming this is what horror certainly was doing in the 1980s these comedies these blended films they were what were making money so it makes sense that they would make a film like this right
1: yeah and it's like the reasoning behind something like the frog brothers being in uh lost boys because if you take all of that out it's not a funny fucking movie not at all comedy at all at all Oh. Yeah, it's a very tragic love story and uh, a, the breakup of this not-so-nuclear family. Mm. It, it's really a sad story, minus vampires everywhere and the Frog Brothers.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also this idea that vampirism is freedom. These Being infected, they always have these scenes, not always, but very frequently, either it's near dark or it's Lost Boys or it's, uh, well, Fright Night less so, but there's someone, there's a familiar that has been turned or about to be turned or is in the danger of being turned. And so many characters, once they have been turned, this was my best friend or whatever the fuck. It's like, I'm so free now. This, don't you want this? It's like Salem's lot. Like, come and join us. Like, yeah. this is, this is the, this is a good thing. We don't, you can be on the fringes and they're always trying to lure these, uh, preppy suburbanite kids out of their homes and you can be a vampire like us and we'll give you a leather jacket and you can have a mullet and everything. Right. That's, that's what they are trying to accomplish with these films. And it's fascinating that it's, this lure of an alternative lifestyle seems to be what is supposedly scary. It's in in that sense where you would go to Dracula's castle and he's so suave and debonair and he's got all this money and he's got a fucking neckerchief and he's got a cape and it's that shit. It's dark souls. It's it's that romantic aspect. And now it's like, Oh, look at this bad boy. Maybe he's got a motorcycle. Look at this nightclub. Yeah. Here, we,
1: no, we party all night. We party night. all it's super night. Super classy. And, and, and right. No one can touch us.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it is almost It is almost like you become a gang. And what was a big fucking scare in the 1980s? Just joining gangs. Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is post-Warriors. And there are some Warriors type reference oh, yeah. that Warriors feel to oh, yeah. a lot of this as well. So it does like tease those fears out of the mm-hmm. night sitting on their couch watching this.
0: So I think it's really funny, and I agree with you, I don't understand why this film isn't, well, listen, this film is just the unfortunate casualty of getting buried between Lost Boys and and Fright Night, but this could all be of a piece. There's no reason why you can't watch the the, the, the 80s vampire trilogy, right?
1: (laughs) Truly, although the things that you point out that are very important with a transitionary vampire film such as this are sort of compressed. Those conversations where, uh, you know, join us, I I can't go back to the way life was. All those conversations that are very important to a vampire story are compressed to make room for the cat and mouse game, Mm -hmm. to make room for the classiness and the comedy of the strip club, to make room for just seeing strippers, to make room for just Keith's ridiculous conundrum. That Mm -hmm. he's got himself stuck in sort of like the movie After Hours. It's just this crazy night, you know. It's to make room for the craziness of the crazy night. Mm -hmm. So the vampires, um, the the important conversations about vampirism are sort of compressed into a very few scenes. Mm -hmm. So I, I could understand why it wouldn't fit that way. But it is there; it definitely is there.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: is the transformation scenes and the vampires themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. these transformation sequences in this film, much like other vampire films of this decade, really up the monstrous quality of the vampire when they change. Yes, some of them are fangs, but I'm uh, but I mean when a lot of them change, it's like a full on facial monster, monster. and that's yeah. that's why I tend to really love vampire films like this because i really love monstrous vampires i like my vampires evil i like them looking like fucking bat things that's how i like my vampires and and so and this movie has that monstrous vampires it's cool it is very very
1: cool and almost surprising even re-watching it i was like wow yeah i really can see why little lydia loved this so very fucking much because of The the scant gore, but it Mm. is uh, kind of in your face with the transformation sequences. True. Very, very monstrous. Um, On par with, like, the howling, I found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really, really lovely stuff there. But before we get into it, I did definitely want to thank everyone who had checked out my review of Andrew Piper's The Only Child. I had a lot of shares on Twitter and stuff like that and a lot of... um, Love from Simon & Schuster, who I thank for sending me the book and requesting that review. So yeah, thanks everyone for for checking that out. And if you haven't seen it already or read the review, it's up on nightface.ca and you can also buy my books like Prelight Eve 2 on there.
0: Mm -hmm. Or if you're interested to know what makes Lydia tick when it comes to vampires, you can check out the titular book of Nightface.
1: Yeah, Nightface is a vampire. Sorry, I totally forgot how that would link all in. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I mean, as as a as an artist, that you write things, the the thing that that's most on your mind is the thing you just finished. So we'll go all the way back and and, and remind everybody that Lydia has written a vampire story. And it's quite interesting, and she's created her own thing. and uh, And I think that. Yeah, uh, you guys should definitely check it out, particularly if you like vampires. If you like vampires and you like Lydia, then why the fuck aren't you reading Nightface?
1: It's films like this that definitely informed my decision to begin writing Nightface way back in the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So well, I started writing this like early 90s.
0: Well, your right? characters sit on those fringes of society, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you typically like to write characters... Anyways, like that. But these vampires are—I'm not saying that they're not the Lost Boys, but because it's—they're their own thing. But it's that, right? Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah,
1: they don't own a club. They don't even
0: go to a club. No.
1: (laughs) In the in the sequel, there is a scene. Near
0: a club. So like shiny jackets and fishnets and Well, they fucking... already wear shiny
1: jackets and fishnets. They don't have to go to a club to wear those. I mean, you... I could wear a shiny jacket and a fishnet sitting right here in my home.
0: EDM music. It's like that... uh What was that movie? You know, this reminded me of a little bit... Not... The, only in the bare bones of sense was you had uh, Queen of the Damned, which, which also had a singer that played this ancient Tragically. vampire. Yeah. Yes. And... And you, so you had that, and and I was watching this, and I remember thinking while we were going, I, I said it does kind of have a Queen of the Dam vibe. And listen, I'm I'm not saying the Queen of the Dam came out like two decades almost after this no, movie. No, exactly, so,
1: but it's, there's an Egypt link.
0: There's a, there's an Egypt link. There's there's the fact that uh, what was it? She Aaliyah was playing. Akasha and 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 she's this ancient vampire. Not very much dialogue. I don't even think Grace Jones speaks in in vamp. Does she have any words? I think it's a lot of looks. And she laughs. She laughs. And and again, uh, uh, Aaliyah's character uh, Akasha. I think she maybe have t- she has one or two lines or something. Yeah. And there's club settings and, and shit like that, and she's constantly changing her clothes, but. I mean other than that's that's the only similarities, but it did kind of remind me of that, just this really glamorous, vamped out vampire mm-hmm. woman. And it it was quite interesting. You don't see a lot of films with the exception of the exploitation film of Blackula or the uh, the dreadful comedy, the Eddie Murphy comedy Vampire yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah. You you very rarely see vampires that are depicted by people other than just like plain white people uh with the exception of course uh which a movie that i like quite a bit is robert rodriguez's from dust till dawn and they even have what about blade blade he's he's a half vampire though oh
1: okay then i guess it doesn't count
0: yeah 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 i do like blade quite a bit yeah i do like blade quite a bit too but um uh, i guess maybe like it's so funny that you mentioned blade because in my mind i I think comic book character. That's a comic book movie. It's a
1: comic book movie, and it's more like The Matrix than <laughs> Vampire or Queen of the Dam. Yeah, but no.
0: So, but yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, even with that stretch of the fact that he is a the daywalker, mm-hmm. he uh, there is another uh, a black vampire, sunglasses, trench coats, bam, bam, banal, super fringe, super hip,
1: and oh yeah, sexy as fucking hell. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This this trifecta of of Blade and Grace Jones and Elia.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a shame
1: yeah. that she died because I would have liked to see. Like, I wasn't interested in her music at all or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But she definitely played the role very well. So.
0: Yeah, I remember my problems. Not to get in a whole thing about about fucking Queen of the Damned. I remember my problems of that film were not her. And I think when I saw, I saw it in theaters, and one of my biggest problems was the sound mixing. I thought that. There were scenes that were too loud for my sensitive Ooh, ears. Old West. No, I wasn't even that old at the time. I Let's was
1: not calling a Grumpy Gramp.
0: Yeah, it's west. too loud. Why are these club vampires playing their music so loud? Some of us are trying to sleep in this theater. No, I definitely was really surprised. There was one scene in particular where she burned up all these vampires at a club. And I love that scene because she was disgusted disgusted by these club vampires what has happened to my children yeah. look at you all it's like fucking gyrating and shit she was kind of an angry old lady just get off my lawn vampire queen wasn't she
1: yeah definitely
0: Lestat with his goth rock she's just, everyone, no exactly that everyone. would piss
1: any ancient vampire off she's and like, that was his point
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, fucking goon Lestat <laughs> anyway back to vamp What is this movie even about anyways, Lydia?
1: It's about these horrible teenagers that come and just destroy a community of vampires that have been probably living peacefully, eating up the dregs of society and largely leaving people alone and disrupting their lifestyle to the point where they are basically destroyed. It's a tragic tale of people infringing on the lifestyle of these calm and sweet after hours club vampires. Going places you're not welcome and shouldn't stay and how you can disrupt their ecosystem. The delicate life of a
0: vampire. Wow. Creeps, let me just tell you, I just feel like I just got sat down and taught a lesson. A lesson about the environment, about social justice (laughs) and about a minority group of vampires no you're absolutely right that is an easy way to spin this flick and they were treading into places that they should not tread to impress people they did not like
1: to be fair they were basically trapped there they really went looking for a stripper that's all they wanted they were just Mm -hmm. looking for a stripper you can find a stripper anywhere yeah in a city that like the city that of the size that they were in
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it looks like they could have gone to any number of fucking clubs they just happened to pick the wrong one but even in that like when they leave the school and drive into the city everything seems absolutely normal and then they get sort of a spell cast on them and they are trapped and they are definitely trapped in this world Because everything changes on a dime right there from brightly lit and normal to absolutely surreal. So it's not entirely their fault. Yes, they went somewhere they weren't welcome, but they had every opportunity to leave. Or did they? Or were they truly trapped there? Did time truly stop when that car spun around and they got stuck in that weird dark 30 between day and night? Mm -hmm. And then the night progressed with no clocks attached because they don't really refer to the time until closing time. And that could be any time.
0: Yeah. And after dark. It's they, just after dark. Well, they, they even have a conversation, the guys in the diner. What is after dark? Is it a couple of seconds after dark? How do we know when it's after dark? It's dark right now. How do we know when it's after dark?
1: But is it dark? Is right. it really dark? Well, it looks dark. They have this conversation about that time, that dark 30 time, where it's not really day and it's not really night. It's one of my favorite times of night when the sky just looks like such an incredibly impossible navy blue and it's not quite dark yeah i do like the way that this film opens with um keith and aj being dragged to their death it looks like yeah be a hanging by cloaked individuals and there's chanting going on
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's
1: this is the movie i want this movie to be i want every movie to be this and (laughs) i had the same feeling watching body Double. It's like, oh, <laughs> man, what do you mean the vampire story has to end? It's like, oh, man, what do you mean the sacrifice story has to end? Well, that's kind of where the comedy begins, too, right? Where they meet up with Duncan, the one character that I could relate to as a, as a kid and still continue to relate to to this day. Really? Oh, yeah. You don't get a kick out of Duncan?
0: I mean, I do get a kick out of Duncan to get uh, Wantanabe. From uh, I knew him from Grumman's, too. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, he was also in UHF. But anyway, the point being is... Loved him in UHF. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: some comedy I can get behind. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, he He's a, an interesting character, but again, this seems almost like a Revenge of the Nerds type character. Not very or, much. Or, or anything that would be in a John Hughes movie. Here's a rich guy on campus who can't who can't get it together and make friends. And so he's desperate for friends. And what do you have? You got Keith and AJ here. The dick and balls of the fucking crew. Exactly. And this Keith
1: guy, um, according to the internet, was in Meatballs. Yeah. So he's like a comedy. Was he in other comedies? He seems somewhat recognizable.
0: Yeah. I mean, the fucking... Robert Roosler was in fucking weird science. So, I mean, these 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 are actors that are in these types of fucking movies. He was in movies. a lot
1: more horror films, though, the guy that played yeah. AJ. I recognized him from other horror films. And more campy horror, for sure. But still more horror than comedy. But then I don't really watch comedy. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, that is exactly... They seem to be like they're in Meatballs. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Or Revenge of the Nerds, even more yeah. accurately.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucking hilarious because it seems like the Duncan character will be the character. Because he's got this room where he's playing golf and he's got servants there. And he also has six computers all hooked up with six people on it. One of them seems to be doing his homework and he just pays people to do it. And more than anything, he just wants them to be his friends. But he almost seems... This is the type of guy that is your excuse in, in these teen comedy films to basically have unlimited access to anything. Yeah,
1: yeah. All the, the money in the world. They have six cars at their disposal.
0: And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can go to this place because I have money or we, I have the vehicle. I just have all these instantaneously instantaneous things. And if they needed to get out of a jam in the third act, then it would... The guy, oh, my father knows a guy. It would be that, mm-hmm. right? Just, or even if
1: they need to get into a jam like in this movie, what do you need to get into a place like this and access to this underground after-hours club? Mm-hmm. A fucking roll of credit cards and big stacks of paper cash.
0: Did yeah. I say that right? Well, it's fat stacks it's of fat. paper cash. But it is this True. deus machina, machina character who can just give, give you anything that you could possibly need. And he is so... Fucking gung-ho to go along with this because you've promised him something free. Friendship.
1: Friendship. And titties. Never titties, underestimate yeah. the power of
0: titties, Wes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, No, he's a good character. I do like him. And he is the source for a lot of background comedy in films like this where you need to have comedy even if something serious is happening we have like a goober character in the background doing something funny or coming in with a one-liner disney does this all the time when they have a serious film a serious conversation in one of their cartoon movies and you got funny animals in the background being wacky and i guess that's just in case the kids are bored by some plot uh you got some fucking raccoons or whatever to look at so this is what he is he's basically an animated cartoon yeah Uh, of a raccoon or something
1: and he's used to that effect uh, almost at every turn with his character and i don't know as a kid i have really found that highly relatable
0: well i like him i like him not only is is wanatabi a really good actor but this is a really funny character it is a really funny character and
1: he does it believably enough it's not too much of a caricature of this particular sort of character Mm -hmm. he does it believably enough He is used not only as, like, relief during these tension scenes, but he does always, always drive the plot forward or remind you of things that were deadly serious Mm -hmm. earlier on with a Mm -hmm. one-liner. I like when they end up in the city looking for the After Hours Club, and they're in the OK Diner. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to decide if it's dark. Is it really dark? What's after dark? It's a dark out, but it's not quite dark. Is it still daytime? We don't know. Uh, (laughs) And this gang, I guess... Va- like warriors. Yeah, it's it is very much like warriors. Um, these vampires come in mm-hmm. where we don't know right off that they're vampires, but there's something about them that they're, they're street thugs. Of they're some street sort. thugs.
0: And a couple of them are, well, one of them in particular, Snow, Snowball. My
1: Billy Drago. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Be still, my already still heart. <laughs> I love this man
0: yeah, yeah yeah
1: i'm smiling
0: you are you I are you hear
1: the smile in my voice I'm,
0: right now it's a little freaky i'm a little intimidated but intrigued
1: yeah i liked him in imprint who didn't
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the people who've seen imprint uh i think he is the most surreal looking person i had the same sort of react with Skeet ulrich uh, every time i see him on screen too i just, I just want to stare at him yeah uh, billy drago even more so because mm-hmm. he's just a surreal looking person and to hear him tell it he didn't really have to act he just had to dress a little rougher than he normally does you know um and have this like white 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 hair which makes him look like this albino person mm-hmm. where me and my friend terry had had some strange mythology as children about the uh albinos quote unquote that lived in in the bushes next to her house. I remember
0: you telling yeah. me this story way back when we first started this show. Yeah. About these this house that you would buy go ahead. Go we'd ahead.
1: sort of trespass and like try and look in their windows, sort of not like totally blatantly jump up and try and look in their windows, but we'd sorta of try and get a glimpse of who we heard were albinos. <laughs> An albino brother and sister, which was just, like, really pale blonde people. <laughs> In our minds, we had... Because we'd never really encountered albinos and didn't really understand what albinos were. And at the time, albinos were treated as, like, a monstrous being.
0: Well, there was the Village of the Damned that came out just a few years ago. They're aliens with fucking mind power.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Terrifying human beings. So now you've got this... You've got this soft-spoken, very dangerous, sexy-looking, alluring, and appealing Billy Drago as a fucking albino-looking person in this film. Oh, my God, I was transfixed. I'm still transfixed by this man.
0: Really? Yeah. I've (laughs) had
1: the same reaction with Julian Sands. There's just something about them. Mm -hmm. Vaguely alien. Wonderful men. I'll stop now. Because it's creeping me out. <laughs> yeah, Billy Drango and his uh, ragtag gang of near do well Now I'm sounding like you. <laughs> they come into this diner and order six coffee to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because that's what vampires run on, apparently.
0: Hell yeah. These guys hell-bent for leather, Lydia. And coffee. (laughs) And coffee, yeah.
1: Um, But one of them, the female, is uh, having a lollipop or something. And sort of like slyly, sexily looks over at Keith. Where Keith and E.J. are sitting waiting for Duncan to get out of the bathroom. And shows him, bears her fangs, I guess. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And he's making eyes at her. And then she bears the fangs. And I just keep thinking, jackpots.
1: <laughs> That's not what Keith was thinking, though. No, he was uh, right no. away turned off and creeped out. And it's sort of like a hatchet face moment in Crybaby, where she's
0: uh, going to turn
1: and say, what's wrong with my face? But instead, Snow decides to see what is their fucking problem. Do they have a problem with the way that his friend looks? Mm-hmm. So they start a fight.
0: They do they do and in this moment you you try to see listen aj the whole time is we get the sense from this guy's character that he is the too cool for school rules mean nothing i i'm the schemer he he's got like the the cockamamie plans that he got to lure keith into and you he's would like
1: have, i'm a jock and i'm smart
0: so therefore i'm bulletproof Basically, basically, he's like, I'm cool. I'm smart. I'm practically a used car salesman. I'm I'm that type of personality. I can talk my way of anything. I got a plan. But these characters always got a plan. And so in this moment, he seems content to let Keith wither on the vine a little bit. but Because he's a
1: fucking dick and he's straight out of less than zero. And that sort of feeling kind of carries on with his character entirely.
0: Yeah, especially since AJ on several occasions in that exchange when he was making eyes at that woman he kept telling him to stop don't do that mm-hmm. don't because you're going to provoke these people
1: yeah and AJ seems to know like if we get into an altercation here we won't be able to get out of it this yeah. is the first moment where they should have just left they should have walked away from this this town this idea this scenario entirely mm-hmm. But it's the first mistake that they make. So they do end up with a, in a fight, almost mm-hmm. like a bar fight in this diner.
0: Grabbing Snowball by the balls. Yeah, poor little fella. Mm-hmm.
1: But hey, if werewolves have nads, then...
0: I was going to say, have we ever seen a vampire get uh, incapacitated by nut grab?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Werewolves have nads, but maybe vampires do too. Um but that's where Duncan walks out of the bathroom and makes some sort of one liner about him having to work on the pipes. And yeah, he yeah, he's Leaves to... them to their fight entirely. And yeah, because the... what kind of help would he be anyway? Right? Yeah,
0: it's pretty funny. It's like, he's the money, he's not the muscle. And so when, the, when they successfully incapacitate take, inca- him, with incapacitate balls. and, and the, the other two women, I mean, they seem to uh, shove off. I think they break a chair on one of them. Mm hmm. Now you have a situation where they get into their car and there's nothing to worry about, except for the fact that we should get out of here because they ordered six coffees. That means there's not three of them. There's six of them. And who knows where the other three are?
1: Yeah. And now they'll, they'll come back on us because that's, I guess, what, how street justice works, right? hmm Yeah. I guess they understand that much about city life is that you don't pick on people and then hang out in their hood. I guess mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just
1: trying to practice on my like city slang. I'm no good at it, right? But they do know enough that they're probably going to run into these fucking people again if they spend much more time in this area,
0: mm-hmm. which is a shame because this uh, vampire club, by the way, they know oh, the vampire club. They don't know it's a vampire. This this strip joint is basically a block down the road. They're not even really that far from the diner that they're at.
1: Yeah, and these are the sort of people that might even hang out at a place like the after hours club. So they better just get in and get out
0: and. Go back to college. Whoops. Yeah. I guess we won't be in a fraternity this time. Fucking live with Duncan. He seems to have this massive place all to himself. Yeah. I don't He's, know why they wouldn't want to be Duncan's friend. I want to be Duncan's That friend. was the Not thing. Not just for the money either. I, I understand. Duncan's that, that, cool. I understand that Duncan comes off as a little desperate, but it's just because people reject him and I would just say, yeah, man, you, we'll hang out. With, I'll be your friend. If you chill out, just you're at 11 right now. Let's bring it to five. Yeah. And then, yeah, we can just chill out. Yeah. Play vids. All he
1: needs is someone to go out for pizza with him with no real expectations and just go for fucking pizza. Yeah. And ask him, like, what are his parents like? That's what I'd love to hear about Duncan. That's what yeah. I want to know about Duncan. But anyway. Yeah. So they don't even want to bring Duncan in the goddamn strip bar. So they get to the strip bar and then they decide that AJ's just going to go in and wrangle a stripper. Mm-hmm. bingo
0: bango off mm-hmm. back to the college and by the way this is a person who couldn't wrangle a stripper from the phone book on the phone I or don't even know, his
1: friends <laughs> or
0: even his friends i don't know what he thinks he's going to go into a strip bar that being said there are professional women in there who would probably as long as you have the money that they, they probably do private shows like this it's probably it's not unreasonable to think that yeah. why it, it it does remind me from a a from dust till dawn, in the sense that when they go to the Titty Twizzler, and then at the end of the at the end of the film, George Clooney's l- asks, uh, "Why, why this bar of all the bars? Have you ever been here before? Do you know what goes on here?" And he goes like, "I've never been here. It's rowdy. There's no cops. I don't know. Like it's just like the fact that they pick that club out of a hat. Yeah. And and it's just as memorable. So again, this is the same thing. Why of all places?" Would it just be this the seediest, most secretive... They got. They have to have been driving on a city where there's strip bars on the fucking strip or whatever the hell they are, right? Every
1: corner. Right? Every
0: fucking corner. So why they had to go down the narrows? Maybe because they were, well, we can't have anyone see us go in here.
1: Partially. And they were also kind of transfixed by the ad and the fact that it looked classy, which is weird to me because they're fucking frat boys trying to hire a stripper for a frat party why wouldn't they pick somewhere more fun you know that's a little true. more uh, of a of a strip club than a gentleman's club mm-hmm. let alone somewhere that looks classy secretive and avant-garde where they probably what they really need is a stripper-gram stripper that's what they need a strippergram stripper someone yeah. dressed like a construction worker
0: mm-hmm. well we're gonna get that once we get into the club. Yeah, Because we're going to be introduced to this club, this nightclub. And by the way, once we have... There's two trans, uh, transitions into this hellish scape. Mm-hmm. One is where we swirl the car around and it's almost like they have gone through a portal and now they're in this desolate... It's almost as if they spun the car out and went five miles into a different direction. Yeah. And... Now it's dusk and now it's nighttime. Now we're really in the shit because all the lighting has changed. It is now hot pinks and neon greens and they contrast off of each other. And that's the lighting for the majority of this film. When you're in the sewers, when you're in the club, wherever, or even when you're just outside on the immediate streets surrounding the club, it's greens and it's pinks. It's very interesting.
1: It is a very interesting choice. And it takes us away from the blue and red Mm -hmm. overused lighting that says City Nighttime, Scary Vampires. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. And
1: it's a little bit more Flamingo Club of a feel. A little more um, exclusive, I think, for some reason with this pink and green. Maybe mm-hmm. that was the cheapest gels they could afford. Cheap, who
0: knows? <laughs> Maybe. And we're introduced to uh, the, the character that Sandy Baron plays. I love that guy. And uh, he's done a fucking million things in television. And this is where we get the, into the club itself.
1: Which does reflect a little bit more of these uh, pinks and greens and the weird lighting I saw when we were watching the credits that one of the art directors or someone like cited as as in the art department was Andy Warhol of all people. And I know he'd like done films of his own and worked with other filmmakers and stuff, but I just never remembered ever hearing a, a, a blip about Andy Warhol being involved in this in any way, shape or form. And it wasn't just a special thanks to, he was credited as a crew member. So I'm wondering how much of a hand he had. This would have been a year before his death. So he still would have been active, maybe in and out of illness, but not like inactive by any way. So I'm wondering how much of a of a hand he had in, in some of these di- directions that they were taking with the lighting and the decor or if the strippers designed themselves, or if that was entirely up to each individual girl, because there is like a gamut of strippers available at this club. We meet uh, a fairly regular stripper right mm-hmm. away, and the, the girl, Amaretto, who is serving them is a kind of a typical Desperately Seeking Susan-style stripper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a um, dominatrix-looking stripper. Yeah. We have a very uh, showgirl-looking stripper in candy,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just like a, a nice a handful and it's nice cross-section of different strippers mm-hmm. and it is one of the strip clubs that i do enjoy a lot like the strip club in father's day it seems to be really reflective of what actual strip clubs are like instead of it being like a hair metal music video <laughs> What because probably because there's no hair metal being played it's all like contemporary
0: soft rock <laughs> or yeah, something yeah yeah slow dancing,
1: dancing. it's very weird
0: it is choice very, of music it is very weird it seems the crowd is right ro- like you would want to I don't know how rowdy you'd want that place to get. Like, whatever. You just want to see, like...
1: Oh, it's just so full of these regulars and their complacent stares and their polite golf claps,
0: usually. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's,
1: like, the most, like, bored looks. They've got this very realistic-looking set of regulars that sit on the row Mm -hmm. and in the splash zone, I guess.
0: I guess. But even then, it's not even that close. And and you just see lazy lobs of crumpled-up bills just... Yeah. Like, <laughs> bounce along the stage while the girl's just, like, slowly dancing. But we all know what everyone hears to see. Or maybe we don't, because everyone kind of has the same reaction, but we get introduced to Grace Jones' character here.
1: Yeah, she's their in-house feature, Katrina.
0: Oh, yeah. And we're introduced to the character through her... You were describing it as a pseudo-burlesque show.
1: It almost is, only because of its lack of full... On nudity, she Mm -hmm. doesn't get entirely naked, and it is a very artistic um sequence, much more in the line of uh modern dance Mm -hmm. than it is a strip show. I've seen features do very similar shows. There was a girl that used to dance called Annie Mal that had a very Grace Jones look, she used to dance to Nine Inch Nails, Slower Nine Inch Nails Choices. And rely on black light and and, and body paints and had a very similar hairstyle to what Grace Jones character has here as Cortina, except it was purple. Um, And it wasn't, it was far more modern dance and burlesque than it was a strip show. So I always wondered, like, weren't patrons disappointed by this? Or were they just waiting for this artsy, fartsy, weird girl to get off the stage with her not fucking motley crew music (laughs) that they couldn't relate to Mm -hmm. it was just weird to see at the time in like the mid 90s somebody doing a dance like this where everyone does seem to appreciate and be titillated by grace jones performance in this strip bar but i on the back of my mind i'm like wouldn't they all be bored by this like this isn't what they want what they want is a blonde girl next door bouncing around stage and showing them as much of her goods as humanly possible instead they're getting this body painted queen Mm -hmm. who is doing this very strange impressionistic dance that is extremely powerful female not um submissive um spank me daddy by any means
0: well they seem into it because they give her the round of applause and and most importantly AJ has. That's who it's gonna be. This is what is going to blow those guys' minds. But you
1: pointed out entirely what would be on the mind of most rational people watching this is yeah. why no, this is not the right
0: choice whatsoever. No, th- for two reasons. Two very now maybe the fact that they have Duncan with them changes all this. But from what we know, they basically have less than two hundred bucks, one hundred eighty four dollars or whatever to get a dancer to go to this frat party. There is nothing about Grace Jones doing her performance that would make me think that she would do a private show for less than $200.
1: She'd probably be like a $600 to $800. She's obviously a feature. If she wasn't a traveling feature, she's an in-house feature. She's worth a lot fucking more than that, and she would get paid a lot fucking more than that just staying on her throne and having people come to her.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any logical sense. And also, so what? You're going to have this person doing, like you said, this impressionistic, artistic, burlesque-like dance. What, on in a living room with the couches pu- pulled apart with like Dixie cups everywhere? Like, is this, is this where she's going to go? No, it doesn't make any logical sense. Now, listen, she's obviously beautiful and captivating and alluring. And if you were to be the people who wanted to get... A stripper unlike any you've ever seen before, then I get it if you were really trying to make an impression as opposed to, well, you know, we went down to the the local strip joint and we got a couple girls and whatever. But I think that that would be better as you just get some fun girls that want to perform that will do it for the money that you have. Like I said, they have Duncan with them. Maybe that changes things. But then you would have to be saddled with duncan more than you are and that's not part of the fraternity duncan was never going to be admitted into this fraternity so why do you you know what I mean like no, why would
1: they presume that they would be able to use this cash
0: so it's it's weird to me that uh, like I would be maybe it's just because I would go into this like this is good enough this is good enough I don't want to spend a lot of money I want to be, because
1: well, they, it, he was calling up his female friends and trying to get talk them into being the stripper Mm -hmm. or like at first looking at like really regular clubs why wouldn't they just ask their waitress because she's a stripper Mm -hmm. why not ask her she seems a little more in tune with this or why not approach like the dominatrix girl who is a little more edgy you there's edgy but then there's grace jones edgy
0: yeah where it where it, it seems and again i think down to the it comes right down to brass tacks It comes down to the cost of what it would be to get a performer like that. That's not in your guy's budget.
1: Not at fucking all. And she just simply doesn't fit.
0: But Yeah.
1: yeah, I like her performance a lot. And I think that was a showstopper for me. Even as a kid, it's a showstopper for me now. Uh, I really oh. do enjoy her performance and the song she dances to is a Grace Jones song called mm-hmm. Vamp if mm-hmm. anyone's interested so it's all that, up on YouTube It's
0: very it's very very cool. It's
1: a super awesome song and it doesn't really fit with uh Strip club music, as far as I uh, recall. Uh,
0: no, uh, again, I've listen, I've never been to a strip club, and that's not even just me. Because if I – listen, guys, if I've been to a strip club, I'd let you know. I've just never been to one.
1: Uh, I've, been to, I've been to strip clubs here and there. Um, I really did enjoy Titty and Wing Night. My favorite thing with Titty and Wing Night was uh, the wings. Right. And looking at other people being freaked out that there were people just sitting there watching – or not watching the act and just enjoying wings, have, going for wings and a beer. It's almost like you – are pretending you're not in a strip club, which is kind of funny to some of the patrons or people that are there and are weirded out by being there and are there specifically for the sex work aspect of a strip club. They they don't expect like a bunch of um, like punks to come in and eat wings and leave. Which, yeah, uh, was always my favorite thing to do, but it it is like a very typical strip bar except for the Grace Jones feature act.
0: Right, but. We are gonna get a sense fairly quickly that you know she is queen bee of this club, and so I suppose everything else that you're gonna hang around her performance is not really a concern to her.
1: No, not at all.
0: So AJ is gonna make his move. He's going to proposition her to come to the frat party and get like I said, like a used car salesman. Like a l- 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 used car salesman. He seems a little out of his element. Some of that confidence is. Shaking. Shaking yeah. Shaken for short, he gets led back by one of the waitresses and brought to Grace Jones and while he's trying to do his spiel, she strips him down and licks his body and thinks that, well, I'm getting laid. It's
1: in um, as as sexy as her act is that mm-hmm. we saw moments ago. This scene is as sexy for us. And it is a dance of its own as well. Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. referring to her as Queen Bee is really fitting because she definitely is.
0: Oh, yeah. That is how I describe this film to other people. What is, the, what is Grace Jones in a vampire movie? Grace Jones is absolutely 100% queen bee she is she is the head diva she is in charge of the operation she is in total control at all times people uh it it is i walk everyone bows everyone bows our walk softly carry a big stick this is not a, a woman who needs to really do anything people even the people in the club are terrified of her they are in deference to her most of these vampires Were fucking sired by her more than likely. Yeah,
1: even AJ acquiesces to her, and he doesn't know her from a hole in the ground. And he's trying to buy her off when he walks in there. Yeah, but he ends up getting uh, bit. Yeah, attacked basically. She feeds on him. She
0: she transforms is the first time where we see a full vampire transformation. She got the long nails, long toenails. uh, Her eyes roll back in her head. She's got a nasty collection of fangs, just big old. Chompers.
1: It is a collection of fangs, is it not? Yeah, she yeah. her whole face contorts.
0: Oh, she's like a fucking barracuda. You or also something expect like her that. to
1: sprout wings, for
0: fuck's sake. That'd be like, badass. I know. That'd be super fucking cool. I would love that with the like the long fingers and or yeah. or, or, or something like that'd be fucking cool.
1: Yeah, like creeper yeah. style wings. You yeah. want great big leathery bat wings? Oh, all he- sprouting out oh, of her. Hell yeah. Oh I yeah. I know. It would have been so fitting because that's as grotesque as this transformation is and how otherworldly you take someone that's so serenely beautiful as grace jones with such perfect features Mm -hmm. and just a striking look and wonderful skin and then transform her into this really grotesque vampire Mm -hmm. and it's none of this like sexy hot vampire stuff going on here she is a grotesque maniacal dangerous beast
0: Mm -hmm. on top
1: of this frat boy Yeah. Which I think is hilarious. Maybe that's another thing I loved about this movie.
0: Yeah. 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 Wannabe frat boy. Not even a frat boy. Yeah, right? A wannabe frat boy.
1: Yeah. Ew. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's vampire food. And he really is. And... She feeds on him for quite a bit. The camera lingers on her feeding on his neck. And the effects are decent, you know, as far as having um, neck flesh torn away.
0: Mm -hmm. It's not incredibly violent, but we stick on AJ's face as... The life is drained out of his body, quite literally. Mm. Which I thought was an interesting touch. There's a couple of interesting touches in this film. And when we get to the next one that I really, really like, Mm -hmm. um, I'll talk about it. But now we have a situation. And not only is AJ down for the count, he's fucking dead, Mm -hmm. but Duncan is smashed and... Keith doesn't know where the fuck anybody is. And there's this waitress that claims to know who he is and is trying to get his attention. She is.
1: I remember you. I uh, hate people like that.
0: Subtle as a hand grenade. Let, let me tell you something. I feel like the they're purposefully trying to misdirect you with this character. This is the worst writing in the, mo- in the movie, as far as I'm concerned, because there is no. There is a subtler way to do this for the. They're trying to go for a payoff of, is she a vampire? That is what they're trying to go for. And I don't think that it's done well enough.
1: No, because from the get-go, you're pretty much convinced that this girl has no fucking idea what she's gotten herself into mm-hmm. at all. No. And I think everyone around her is just like, she's dumb as a post. She'll mm-hmm. never catch on. So, yeah, we'll employ her and keep her around. and It's it's fine. because This is the, the person who doesn't know that they're working in a front
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at
1: all. So great whatever but yeah. she is too dumb for us to be bought into this subsequent payoff they hope we're, we're going to look for where yeah. we're wondering if she's a vampire we're pretty fucking sure she's not a vampire she's just dumb
0: yeah, and not only that, but now that Keith has realized that AJ's been gone for a long fucking time and he wants to get out of there, things are weird there. There's something up. He doesn't he keeps like it. He seeing
1: glimpses of things, and he's, like, unfortunately the most observant person, but I think that's what's kept AJ out of trouble up until this point in their life as friends. But, yeah, Keith is definitely getting glimpses and bad feelings from the get-go, mm-hmm. and he just wants to leave,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, especially before Duncan does anything incredibly stupid. Um, but this girl is also kind of freaking out. She's also one of the better actors. There's a lot of acting, anything, any scene with Keith in it, I just cringe because he's just not a good actor. He doesn't
0: do anything for me either. He doesn't no. really have any strong presence. No. Uh, AJ, he's just reciting lines. AJ seems. has a lot of charisma, and it makes me think, why not have the no-good Nick that got them all in this be the, the, the titular character? Why does yeah. it have to be? But I I guess
1: Keith is supposed to be relatable to. I suppose, because he's the the one
0: that would worry, he wouldn't be the one that gets dragged along these things. Uh, just wants to go home. Just wants to go like home. Like anybody else. Like anybody else, I suppose. I guess.
1: I like the acting, though, out of the girl that plays um, Amaretto, D.D. Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is the younger sister, apparently, according to the internet. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. You can see it, though, when you, when you know it, right?
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I had no idea.
1: It's probably where, like, having that sort of acting blood, I suppose. Mm-hmm. She is a really... I haven't seen her in anything else, I don't think, but... Uh, her acting is very good there's a scene later on where they're having sort of like a confrontation in an alleyway her and keith and his acting is like bottom of the barrel bad and she's actually carrying the scene very very well for such a um a throwaway scene it's Mm -hmm. it's sad in a way it's very sad that she doesn't have a bigger role Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
1: she's like relegated to playing the dumb girl
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, when Keith gets into the back room with her help, she is trying to figure out what has happened. Now, there is a bigger problem as far as the club is concerned. They fucked up. Yeah. The Don fucked up. What happened is they like, fed someone to Katrina who was, was there with friends. Was yeah. There they with thought people. he was alone. And... Thought he was with alone. The rules are clearly stated that. You get derelicts and drifters, people passing through, people by themselves, people that no one will miss. And you, and uh, the the waitress's logic was he was so beautiful, it was a gift, it was a gift. And Vic, that's uh, Sandy Baron's character, he's not having it. And I really like this guy's character because he is. Always talking about classing up the place. He's got really good lines about introducing the girls. He's on the microphone. He's got a bit of a Renfield quality to him because he's eaten bugs out of that dish. And so you're wondering, is he a full-on vampire or is he a ghoul? Which is it? And we're not exactly entirely sure. I mean – we know that eventually some of the men will become full on vampires, but are the other or is uh, that that big dude the big
1: dude Vlad of all the names? Vlad doesn't yeah. suit him at all. Boris would suit him better, but yeah. Vlad works given what he is. Um, yeah, are they ghouls? Are they revenants? Are they just minions, or yeah. are they vampires in their own right? Like mm-hmm.
0: it's hard to say. We know that the the strippers seem to be vampires themselves, mm-hmm. and, but there also seems to be a plague of these vampires it seems that anyone that's working in and around the neighborhood is a vampire so and there's male and female right so where it almost gets ridiculous yeah like, where it's we're all vampires garbage
1: men Garbage man, bus, bus drivers <laughs>
0: little girls <laughs> the milkman we're all vampires now and what so, what you get the impression of is this character of Vic just wants more power he he wants to run the place more but And he doesn't really know how to deal with... Well, he knows how he would deal with it. And he doesn't want mercy for this infraction on the rules... And Grace Jones doesn't offer any mercy. She doesn't really say one thing or another what she's going to do. She just has the young woman sit down and tears her heart out like a fucking Mortal Kombat fatality.
1: Which I really like Vic's reaction because it's one thing that you know is, he knows is coming or that he's seen lots of. But it's something that I guess you just never really get used to. Mm-hmm. Seeing Grace Jones rip the heart out of a young girl. Mm-hmm. But Keith like just needs to leave. They try and collect AJ and that goes really nowhere. They are told that their friend never came back to the back. Then they're told that his friend must have left. And Amaretto decides, oh, well, I'm staying at this hotel down the road with other strippers. And he must have taken off with Candy because if Candy's gone and AJ's gone, then they must have went back to the hotel. And as she puts it, he's interviewing her, mm-hmm. which is just skeevy sounding. But yeah, that's where they figure that they've gone. So they have to leave the club, which... In a way, you're almost like they can leave the club because you've really bought into the idea that they're trapped there forever. And this is some sort of like surreal limbo and, you know, restaurant at the end of the universe. So they do leave the club, but that that lighting follows them out into the yeah, street. Yeah, it's
0: this sphere of power, as as they call it globally, um, where the, the, you can see surrounding buildings are still under complete vampire control.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this weirdo hotel. She she seems to have some sort of level of protection in this limbo weird world of after dark with Amaretto by his side because they go into the hotel there. She goes up to her room. They're supposed to get off on the 13th floor, which is neat because most hotels don't have a 13th floor. Mm -hmm. This one does. Um... And he gets off on the 12th floor by accident and the elevator doors close behind him, trapping her in the elevator to carry on
0: to the 13th with floor. With an elevator operator or just like some old guy with a toupee in there?
1: He's the elevator operator. I don't know why they found him so funny. That was like. I think because
0: I think he's just wearing a bad toupee.
1: So they had to sit there and giggle like they're four? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I just, I never, I didn't really understand that scene, but I did understand that. Once he's separated from her and he's alone in this world, it's where it becomes very in the realm of after hours where anything can happen. And the entire environment is now out to get him because he almost like loses the fucking half his body when the elevator door almost slams on him Mm -hmm. and would have carried his fucking torn off torso up to the next floor, which is really like kind of harrowing. Mm -hmm. But it's not until he's back with her that there's some like semblance of safety. Hmm. In this weird world. Like he she is the only person that could really guide him through this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curious, curious. Why would that be, I wonder?
1: You'd hmm. almost start to think maybe she's a vampire.
0: Maybe she's a vampire. But she's not. No.
1: Obviously. She's too caught up in you don't remember me, do you? Yeah. I remember you. But in the bottle.
0: But that's in the bottle. But that's part of it though. It's part of her character that's so fucking weird to me. But as we return back to the club, oh shit. We got some fucking trouble here. Some fucking trouble because you can't find anybody. But we know that that fucking gang is hot on his fucking trail now. You know that they're there. And you get to see your buddy again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Snowball.
0: They're calling him jokingly. Yeah, it's weird. And he never really seems to bother to correct them or anything. Like, what does he care?
1: No, what does he care? He just, he's going to kill them, I suppose. I think that's the end game. What they, they just want to torture them for a while. Like, I'm not sure what they would do once they capture them.
0: It's weird, but when Keith gets separated.
1: I like this world where two frat boys can beat up six street thugs, though. <laughs> what fucking world is that? That's John Hughes' world. That's what that is.
0: Yeah. It's like, hey, don't mess with us, man. We're from the suburbs. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but at the very least, when Keith gets separated. Or when Keith basically has to deal with these fucking gangbangers, he gets put into this fucking sewer.
1: Yeah, I like when he runs away from them and decides the sewer is the safest place, which it seems to be almost like another protected limbo area between After Dark and the real world. Uh, The lighting does persist somehow inexplicably into Mm -hmm. the sewer. It's still lit green and pink, which is really weird to me. Um, But... You do get to see a little more of like Billy Drago's squad mm-hmm. and that cool, weird old car that they drive mm-hmm. and the the mist. I don't know why it's so misty all of a sudden in this alleyway and the green light. It is a very scary and surreal moment where he's given chase and then jumps into the sewer to hide away where he gets even more glimpses where they won't come down into the sewer for some reason. I guess because it's a fucking sewer. But he meets up with this like weird gentleman who's in the sewer gnawing on a rat and saying, I found my friend.
0: Yeah, it's weird, which
1: is definitely weird. Um, considering our guy, Keith is still looking for his friend, AJ. It's a shame, I guess in the sewer, this man could find his friend. So maybe if we're lucky AJ will turn up. Instead, he looks out through one, of the sewer grate and sees this little girl that they had encountered earlier, mm-hmm. who had sort of ignored them. And I thought that she reminded me of uh, one of the orphans in the Warriors.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> be careful because she might just call her gang to come and there'd be a big gang fight.
0: Yeah, it's true. But she doesn't, uh, when one of the one of the gang, uh, guys see, encounters her, I think it is Snowball.
1: No, it's not. It's one, there's three, um, albino type looking men in this squad. One of mm-hmm. them has a mullet. Yeah. I'll call him Mullet. Okay. He also looks like he's an extra from the Lost Boys. And Billy yeah. Drago, Snow. And then, um, Butterball, I guess we'll call him. <laughs> I don't know. Because he's just a bigger version of Billy Draco and wears a hat. Mm. He's the hat-wearing guy. He
0: is the hat-wearing guy. He gets that little girl, like, non on his fucking arm. I think she kills him. She
1: kills him. Straight up fucking kills him.
0: Yeah, so let you know that no one here seems to be human. They're all vampires. And and we see that um, there's weird stuff going on. I mean, the garbage man's involved and tow trucks are involved and all this shit to sort of clean up and keep this place hidden, which is why this is such an issue. One of the last places that he decides to hide in a dump near the club. What's in the garbage?
1: AJ. Oh,
0: shit. But he's dead. He's dead as a drawn owl.
1: And there's other dead bodies in there, too. It's a good thing he didn't go pawn around in the dead bodies or he would have been like, holy shit. every. There were people in the club where they'd pass out drunk, quote unquote, and Vec would be like, oh, is anyone going to claim this low life? Going once, going twice. And then they get Vlad to carry their, this, this person out to the curb like a good bouncer would. But where he's taking them is to a dumpster because they've been fed on by the strippers and are dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. dun, dun, dun. You know, it's a very cool setup that they have here, but you can see how a loose thread like... Keith threatens this entirely. And even more so, now that he's found a dead body of his friend in the dumpster, he picks up the phone and calls the cops.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, holy shit. Now we got a whole situation going on here. The cops normally don't like to go down to this area. Vic's trying to tell Katrina, don't you worry about it. Don't you fret. And by the way, I should point out at this point, Grace Jones doesn't look the same in any scene that she's in. costume change oh my god to the point where so she does a whole performance with body paint and everything like that and then literally two minutes later the next time you see her new hair her face makeup is gone she's in a new outfit and then every subsequent time we see her she is dressed differently she's like a like a rihanna or a lady gaga just one of these like performers that just i'm in a new costume right now it's 5 p.m., why haven't you switched my costume yet? So it's that. It's very cool. I like it. So here she is listening patiently while Vic is trying to convince her. It's going to be fine. The cops are going to show up. I'm going to get rid of them like I always do. Don't worry about it. So we know that this is the operation that they're used to. And Vic is still trying to – this is where we get introduced to the idea that Vic is trying to convince Katrina that what they should do is move this whole operation – to Vegas. That seems to be what he's obsessed with. He's obsessed with this idea, new blood, new facility, new people, and will class up the place. You're not giving me an opportunity to class up this place. He really cares about-
1: It used to be classy, It apparently. used to be classy, yeah. which
0: is interesting because once you figure out how long Vic's been there, mm-hmm. and you could definitely get the sense that, oh, in 75 years, the neighborhood would have definitely have changed-
1: and now it's, it's, they're threatening to be gentrified, I think, is the, the biggest threat, the unspoken threat mm-hmm. going on here. But yeah, he does want to class up the, the place. And he knows that the cops don't care what happens down there. Nah. But pretty slowly, especially with something like New York being cleaned up and the lot larger cities being cleaned up for tourists, and that's who they attract, is tourists here. they They do run the risk of the cops beginning to care. So might as well go to somewhere like Vegas where there's a steady stream of tourists and no one will fucking care because people come in and out and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And it's a don't ask, don't tell planet in Mm, Vegas. So it's mm -hmm. the perfect place for him. And I totally agree with Vic's logic there. And then he would have a chance to class up the place.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but who doesn't want to just party on the strip, y'all? But we have a situation now where Keith is just trying to fucking gather himself. Duncan is three sheets to the wind. He's fucking just gone. He's so- He gone. could
1: live here forever. He loves Which it. But he's the perfect person to be in this situation, a lot like Amaretto, completely clueless. Yeah. There could be vampires feeding on people wouldn't, all around wouldn't him. wouldn't even he notice. He wouldn't even fucking notice.
0: No, he's just, having to, he's just hitting on-
1: They'd probably never kill him.
0: <laughs> they're just hitting on bartenders whenever he can, and that's all he's doing. All of a sudden, Keith decides to take shit or something. I don't know. He's just sitting in the toilet. I don't know if he's actually going to the bathroom, he just needs a private place to collect his thoughts.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. He doesn't have his pants down.
0: Well, he kind of makes that adjustment though. But anyway he tucks his shirt in. If I gotta listen, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna do it classy with my shirt tucked in. Now, who opens the door? It's AJ Uh uh-oh now we as the audience know that this is not (laughs) (laughs) good come on so aj is definitely a fucking vampire he even looks a little paler he does
1: look a little paler this ramps up too quite quickly but he does look a little bit peaked and it's like okay this is where it starts to be like you look like you've been doing coke in a back room for a couple hours that's what you look like um and he's like god damn it it was just a joke okay yeah. And so they're they're going to have to have a, a conversation with the police.
0: They are. And sure enough, the police get there. No one's dead, so as far as they can see. Vic knows how to get rid of these people. They assure them that they'll never see them in this neighborhood again. They're all getting out of here. And... AJ's super cool. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Even Duncan's just like, I'm just going to catch the last act. And then they promise the owner and the cops that they're just going to leave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and even... Even the cops are saying, look, my stomach hurts. Uh, it hurts because I don't even like being down here. And I want to get out of here and fix. Oh, you guys want to watch the last show, though, don't you? And then takes him out. Everything's fine. Hunky-dory. AJ uh, seems almost a little too cool with a little, all of this. A little AJ's a little too cool. And, you know, one of the dancers is giving him a, you know, a sensual massage. He doesn't know this woman. Why is this happening? Mm. And all of a sudden, he's just trying to get uh, you know, Keith. Come on, you gotta relax. Hey, you know, why don't you go help my friend out? I've been saying for years, he's got to relax. And I would. This is where I would die because I'd just be mesmerized by this woman. She's beautiful. So I just yeah, okay, fine. I should probably relax, and then I'd get eaten. But Keith doesn't want to hear it. And then she puts hands on him and turns around. Oh shit! Full on vamped. This is our second time that we've seen a full on vamped out vampire. Yeah. She's pretty bad at it though because she. I always.
1: <laughs> she could have just killed him
0: right I, there. She could have killed it. I always dislike in vampire films when vampires basically kill themselves.
1: Or when they're grandstanding because she could have just turned into a vampire, got out her fangs, and killed him yeah. when he wasn't facing her, but they have to wait. For them to turn around, so yeah. they can be like, "Huh? Yeah. Look at me! I'm, I'm a, a
0: monster." I'm a monster, and I'm every every part that's not a monster is pretty hot. Still, mm-hmm. agreed. But this is where she he in the struggle grabs a stiletto a shoe, and she basically falls on it. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're a vampire, which by the way, I, I love how every vampire film reestablishes what the actual rules are because if you were to laundry list everything that can affect a vampire, they're the weakest fucking monster Yeah, but you would think
1: that they'd be protecting you the same way that a mother protects the soft spot on the skull of an infant.
0: Yeah, it's like, listen, if the thing that you could kill me with is a wooden stake in the heart... I'd be very conscious of all the wood in every room and everything that could be used as an implement that could puncture my heart up to and including shoes. And I'm sorry, but I feel like this was her first week. She's like, I'm a vampire for a week. That type of fucking shit. They gave me my list, too. But after she dies, it's revealed that, oh, shit, AJ is also a vampire. And they have this moment together. I love the scene quite a bit. And I
1: like it a lot, too. But it seems that they're talking about something else. or something in this film that is conspicuous by its absence, which is drug use. Mm-hmm. They, you know, uh, drinking is pedestrian. Drinking happens, especially in a strip bar. Drinkity drink, drink. Um, everyone's having Mai Tais, cocktails, beers, mojitos, probably. Who knows oh, yeah. what? Um, there's a lot of drinking reference. And especially coming from the, the frat house place that they had been in. Drinking keggers, it all just happens. But no one has even mentioned the use of drugs. But now we have this conversation that could be easily supplanted for a junkie's um, explanation. For why they could never rejoin the way that their life used to be. And Mm -hmm. that they're not the same person that they used
0: to be. A million miles from home now. Yeah. I can never go back.
1: Lines that could just be taken out of a vampire movie entirely. And used in uh, a drug culture film.
0: I like this. This sequence reminds me a little bit of *Night of the Creeps*, where one of the friends gets possessed by these things, and there's really nothing that he can do. It's a, it's a it's a it's a videotape. This is like a, it, but in this film, it's a face to face conversation. And what I dig about AJ is he flat out says to Keith, "I love you," mm-hmm. and that is. I mean, you, can, you you don't have need to hang anything on that because, especially in the 1980s it's a bold sentence for a, a, a seemingly straight male to tell another seemingly straight male, not I love you. Oh, you knucklehead. I yeah. love ya. It's I love you. And, and I don't think that people should be afraid to say those types of things, particularly if you are, a, a, you are a, a cis male or whatever, and you love your other male friend. And, and it was funny because I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about A yearbook writing and how people say love ya. It's like no one will commit to the, for some reason, love ya is easier than love you. Like somehow it like becomes less casual or, or it's more casual and therefore less serious. But, I just, I dig the line that he's, I love you and you look like dinner to me right now. Mm -hmm. So, and so I was just like, this is great. It's a great line. It communicates everything you need to know. Is what he's struggling with is the fact that this is his best friend, a person whom he loves. They've been friends since childhood and he wants to eat him right now.
1: This is so compressed, unfortunately, in the vampire narrative of this, is that the gravity is there. I love this fucking scene and I love this scene for what it has to say. in society, about like fringe cultures and how he's being um, initiated into this weird underground lifestyle. All of
0: a sudden, and mm-hmm.
1: within a half hour, he's been a fucking vampire for a half hour. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, get a grip, dude. Get yeah. a fucking grip. They gave me a list. Funny line. Yeah, it is a funny line. Because why do you know so much about vampires right now? Look at me, I'm a zombie. They say zombie. Yeah,
1: they do. Which is, it, it's a really, they pack a lot into the scene and I like it a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's it's touching and dramatic too. It's things like you can't believe that I'm not me anymore and that maybe there's something left. And he jokes about like, oh, maybe there is something left with the old me in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope, guess there isn't. You know, so it's got like a lot of like drama and tragedy and comedy and terror And horror all wrapped into, like, God, what, a seven-minute scene? I didn't time it, but it seems to go by so very quick. But it contains the nut of this entire story within it. Mm -hmm, It's a mm -hmm. wonderful
0: scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. And it basically comes to the fact that Keith is willing to – you could just drink a little bit of blood. From me, right? You can like you, you need to eat. You can eat off of me. And AJ basically saying I can't trust myself because again, he is a new vampire yeah. We used to say that he won't just get consumed by bloodlust yeah. and and then just drain him dry. And then and he's already
1: looking worse for wear. His eyes are turning color. The hollows under his eyes are even darker. Mm. He's going to transform any second. We yeah. can see it he's in him, bearing
0: his fangs yeah. and stuff. And and so he even says that he even says that you die for me. You die for me. Like not even getting it. Maybe, maybe AJ in that moment would think to himself, it's not mutual. Maybe he never thought of it. Like he loves you, but would he die for this person? Whereas Keith is just like, okay, well, just eat me then. And just make sure I don't come back. Make sure that. I I don't come out. And he's like, You you would die for me. And it's that moment where he's like, damn, man. And so the only decision he can do is he, he says, I'm sorry. And he runs himself through. He basically makes Keith kill him.
1: Yeah. Because Keith kind of won't. Because even though he did just stab a girl in the heart with a stiletto heel, that was an accident, right? Yeah. And it was sort of like self-defense. He's not going to just stab his friend mm-hmm. and kill him, right? Because this will kill him,
0: mm-hmm. according
1: to the list that the vampires graciously gave him mm-hmm. upon you know his initiation as a new vampire, I guess. They mm-hmm. have some paperwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as getting it's, an insurance I, package at work.
0: I would say, listen, I don't understand why they would, they would kill you put you in a garbage bag, throw you in a dumpster, but then also, okay, now that you're out of the dumpster, here's your list of vampire <laughs> weaknesses and you're one of us now. Ridiculous. I it's, it's really ridiculous and, and thoughtless, it's honestly. It's got
1: a few holes because they're making time for the fucking Amarato storyline. They're making time for the Vegas storyline. They're making time for things that like aren't disposable. It's a great story. Maybe this could have even stood to be 10 minutes longer to just...
0: Yeah, like just like pull the taffy on the scenes a little bit. I really think that this... Uh, if I were to listen, if the, the the movie's fine as it is, but if I wanted to maybe improve the movie, I, what I would have maybe done was have this scene that doesn't end in the death take some of the dialogue out and have it get interrupted. He escapes or whatever when he's conform like surrounded by his animalistic nature, whatever. And then you have another scene towards the back end of the movie where perhaps you you run the the character will have. That, that death scene does occur. So yeah. what you really want is two scenes as yeah. opposed to trying to make it one scene.
1: It does seem very, very compact.
0: Yeah, very yeah, yeah. So, but I think if you just were to make it two scenes instead of one, I think that would solve the problem. I think with the pacing, because when we get to the end of the character, what the uh, inevitable fate, the ultimate fate of uh, AJ... Uh, maybe that would have to go because I would think it's too soon now. He's just died recently. We need him to die in the middle part of the movie. So That'll we move this up a little bit. So yeah.
1: Cut out going to the hotel, even though I really do like that scene, mm-hmm. or compact it somehow. But yeah, been- it's,
0: it's hard because because again, i watching this movie. What do you lose? Right? Like I'd be like, I don't know what to cut. Like I'd just be like, eh. maybe the hotel scene, but that also has purpose.
1: It has merit. Yeah, it definitely does. I don't know. I don't know. It's unfixable.
0: Yeah. Like, again, if you were to just add... To, uh, there's no reason why. Like, what was Well, this where was- would they have this second
1: scene? Because after this, um, this is where Keith is, is pretty pissed and he needs to get out of there. And he's also pissed entirely because the, the jig is up. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is a fucking club full of vampires. Mm-hmm. Does Amoretto know, I wonder? Is he even going to question
0: mm-hmm. why
1: Amorato doesn't seem to know that this is a club full of fucking vampires? But he decides that he has to get him and Duncan out of
0: there. Yeah. It's like, listen, I got to kill you guys. That's what that—that's the situation. Mm-hmm. Vic has this interesting speech. It was a mistake. We admit that. But what we are doing as a public service, it's waste disposal. And we are getting rid of people that no one wants anyways. And this is a perfect front because no one admits they're ever going to a strip bar. This is exactly what we have been doing. We have been operating here. It's like, You think thousands of people go missing a year? Tens of thousands of people go missing a year and no one knows anything about it. And everyone forgets because these are the wastes and the dregs of society that no one wants anyways. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way life is. Welcome to reality, kids. Sorry, sometimes you're the windshield. Sometimes you're the bug, right? And right now you're the bug. And so you're going to get, he doesn't say that, but.
1: No, it's basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so like you're, you're fucked. Well, it's I'm, like
1: we, we have to agree that you're, stuck here and you can't
0: leave yeah we can't possibly let you leave they'd be irresponsible of us to let you leave and so now it's basically a matter of small talk because you talk him about vegas he wants to move to vegas what do you think about moving this whole operation to vegas what do you think about that and so he says well how about you give us all a parting drink not driving anyway, better make it a triple. That's how they do it in Vegas. And Vic's enamored by this. Oh, that's class. I mm-hmm. like it. That's classy. You give the people you're going to kill one last drink. I'd be fine with that. That's class. I, I was like, if you were going to kill me and make me a fucking mindless ghoul or some kind of ghoul enslaved Grace Jones, I was like, can I have a little sniffer? Can I have a beer? Can I have anything before you do that? I just want a one last.
1: I'd be more out to just be like, get it over with. Get it over with like but nah, whatever. He has a plan. He, he does has an have a plan. angle. He's got an angle.
0: He's got an angle. <laughs> and he is fucking just pouring booze hand over fist.
1: Yes. He really is pouring booze hand over fist. Hence his angle. Yeah. And he even gets Amaretto in it. He's just like and she doesn't question anything because she's dumb as a post. And <laughs> you know he right? hands her two brandy sniffers and is just like pour this all over the place and she's like, Got it, okay. And it's like, you don't got it. You don't even know what the fuck.
0: But she just plays her part while wow, she's yeah. just fucking like Spilling spills drinks. it all over the place and they She's a
1: spilly drinker.
0: She is a spilly, spilly drink, spilly talker. Spilly talker. And it's funny because this brandy is basically, or whiskey, it was brandy. Brandy, brandy. Yeah. It's basically gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> because he's going to light this fucking shit, pour it on the bar. He's going to pour it on Vic. and
1: Because fire and sunlight and stakes to the heart is how you kill vampires in this lore.
0: That's right. Mm. Not a terrible collection of weaknesses. You uh, cut my head off, I'll die. You stab me in the heart, I'll die. Sunlight, I'm okay with. I feel like I'm going to die. But I won't Mm -hmm. actually die.
1: (laughs) Yes. I totally agree with you with that one.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I like this this scene a lot with this place burning down. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's trying to get the fuck out. All the patrons that aren't vampires are leaving. The vampire dancers, they're leaving.
1: We get Vic's final lament that... You know, for 75 years, he's had this club. Mm-hmm. And this will be his first drink in 75 years because he gets Vlad yeah. to pour him one last drink.
0: One last drink. And I dig it because there's there's sadness there. It's because it's this almost, oh, it was two days to retirement and I was, going to, <laughs> I was going to Florida. It's that, right? And he even has the Vegas posters up around him burning. They're surrounded by fire. They can't get out. And he just... And you get this sense where... This isn't really what I wanted to do. You know, I ran this place for 75 years and and it's gone downhill and I've just wanted it to be classy. It used to be classy. And now look at it. It's just full of drunks and losers and, and it's a strip joint. And maybe it wasn't always. Maybe it used to be sort of a 75 years ago for all we know it, it could have been like a classy fucking place yeah, to, as much
1: as the people who we kill here are stuck here i'm stuck here too yeah it's sad
0: it is a very sad yeah. and then and then i like that drink lowers the hand the arms on fire it's like that's a great scene mm-hmm. i like it quite a bit and it's and and again you feel for these vampires i feel bad for it it's in the same way as i i felt bad for those vampires in uh interview with the vampire where uh, louis fucking destroys that and where Louis fucking destroys that entire coven. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's insane. You kill all of them? It's it's that, right? And they're really just doing what vampires do. And I feel like they're, at the very least, they're trying to be part of society. And Vic even says, what do you think's out there? More of us. We're everywhere.
1: Yeah.
0: You can't run. You can't hide. This entire neighborhood is crawling with vampires.
1: Which does remind me so much of an anti-drug statement in Mm -hmm. this film. And I know that's not exactly what it's positioned as, but...
0: But look at the mood of the country. Yeah. Especially especially things that were going on... If this film was shot in California, which we checked the credits and it is, even though it looks very East Coast to me. But if it's all shot in California, what was going on in California in the mid-1980s? Right,
1: a lot of fucking drugs, a lot of, fucking and a lot of world. kids starting to get introduced to drugs, and a lot mm-hmm. of after hours mm-hmm. drug use, a lot mm-hmm. of nightlife drug mm-hmm. use, and this is just a parallel to that exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gang violence, drug problems, and
1: people—it's it's next door to you too, because you're not going to be safe from it, and it mm-hmm. is absolutely everywhere. And mm-hmm. functional drug use was also becoming a, a thing, maybe not so much of a problem, especially not in the news, but functional drug use was becoming commonplace. Mm-hmm. So this is functional vampirism.
0: It is. And with Duncan now, uh, Amaretto, is that what her stage name was?
1: Yeah, that was her stage name. It's
0: Allison is is what her actual name is. And we'll find out in the fucking almost awkward scene. But anyway, um, and then uh, Keith are now back in Duncan's car and they're getting the fuck out of Dodge. Now, they have this fucking scene in which the garbage truck's coming, the tow truck's coming, going to squish him. You're waiting for this guy to stop being parallel parked. And he's like... Fucking hammering into the cars. It's hilarious. It is kind of hilarious. <laughs> how did you get in there? Let alone, how are you getting out of there? But it's basically this timing of, I need to drive the car as hard and fast as I can so these two vehicles smash into each other. But here's the biggest problem about the whole fucking thing, Lydia. Mm. Is they are surrounded by vampires. Pub Mass transit to the rescue. Onto the bus we go. Oh shit, here's a ghouly-eyed vampire. And they all start... All these vampires start lumbering to them it's, and it's like at the thriller video. It you is, think-
1: you're like, okay, everybody dance and I had a little laugh because that's it never really struck me there because I was caught up in the idea of they've got we've got our good guys, we mm-hmm. have our bad guys, we have our worst guys and we have the real bad guys. And they're all kind of conglomerating at this one point. Mm-hmm. They're all in a way working together only because they're all vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a really, a really tense moment.
0: Yeah, there for is. our
1: hero and heroine.
0: And we don't know if they're going to get out of the fucking place, but oh shit. Just when you think this movie is very much just when you think that they're fucked, here's mm-hmm. another character showing up to do something. And it's the the gang members from the beginning of the movie who don't cotton to the fact that that little girl vampire, who seems to be part of this group of vampires in this section of the neighborhood, killed one of them. Mm. So it definitely seems warring vampire covens are within this few blocks of neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And you would imagine that Grace Jones is the queen bee of the vampires, probably the one that started everything there and sired most of them. And probably the people who were became vampires were like, "Fuck this! I'm not staying in this fucking club. I just came here for a couple of drinks. And I'm a vampire. Fuck you! I'm going. I'm fucking I'm going, going the, down
1: the block. I'm <laughs> going
0: down the block. Go fuck yourself, Katrina. <laughs> I'm gonna go f- b- listen to Billy Idol and shave my mullet. Like that's what I'm gonna fucking do." So you get this, so they start fighting with each other. It's pretty cool. I like it. I wish they'd stuck on a little bit, but we don't need vampire kung fu. It's fine.
1: No, we need to follow our our hero into in the sewers where it's safe.
0: Yeah, the sewers where it's safe. And don't worry. I've been here before. This fucking guy acting like a sherpa to the sewer system. Because On their he, way,
1: they pick up some weapons because, I mean, yeah. that's just what you do, especially when you have guns and ammo stores yeah. with grenade launchers.
0: Grenade launchers and a bow and arrow. And I like that we established that he's a good shot with the bow and arrow. But yeah. but uh, we left one thing out. Hmm. Our boy Duncan.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I do feel quite sorry for Duncan because they could have escaped entirely there. Um, yeah. So he's a vampire? He wasn't feeling too good. I like that. Where they're just like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. Oh, and he's like, I'm hungry. Yeah, (laughs) we'll get some
0: pizza. pizza?" (laughs) We'll get some pizza. And no, he's a fucking vampire. And so there's a struggle in the vehicle. They flip. He... Wants them to come back, guys. While the car's on fire, he's on fire. He's a charred body, and he's just, guys, like, hey, wait up, guys. Don't leave your old pal Duncan. I'm your friend. I'd like, I'd chill with the vampire Duncan. Look, dog, you just can't eat me. I'll still would. it though yeah he that's the though. thing you like think I don't
1: has much self-control I was
0: gonna say is like I don't trust Duncan for a heartbeat not to eat me in yeah. if in that situation unfortunately so sorry dude you gotta burn with the fucking car thanks for the ride though mm-hmm. and that's when we get to like the mass transit and then we start robbing places and this is where listen Duncan they thought was fine the entire time we don't know when he got bit he got bit at some point when they were separated
1: and he didn't seem to notice that he was surrounded by vampires. He didn't seem to notice that he was infected either. So like, it's, it could be any of them.
0: It really could. And so this is where Keith has this moment where he's aiming an arrow at Emeretto and demanding, basically, how do I know you? Why do you say you know me? I don't remember you at all. And she says, what's your real name? And she won't tell him.
1: Because she's a twit. And she's also more worried that he thinks that she's a vampire.
0: Yeah. It's not just a time. What's your name? What's your name? Like the simplest, the most basic, the first sentence you learn when you go to another country and you learn the language. Where's the bathroom? What's your name? Yeah. These types of fucking questions. What's your name? What's your name? That should be on the tip of your. Unless you've had some kind well, of. She's
1: just too proud because he doesn't remember her. How is it that she remembers him so well? And he can't even remember her name. What? Most of us are not being very fucking memorable. So I like, why can't she just swallow that? I don't know, but I don't think I like this sort of female. So
0: it's it's weird. And anyway, so he direct he he changes the shot, kills the the garbage truck driver that was coming yeah. off of them, and <laughs> which then... freaks
1: her out. Finally, this is what it took to freak her out about being surrounded by fucking vampires.
0: Yeah, she definitely seems more, like, bouncy and aloof beforehand, right? Yeah. And then when we are running again, after they get surrounded by all those vampires, and then the gangbangers show up, a snowball on all them, and then the little girl pounces on him, that's kind of it for them. Now we're down to the fucking sewers, which, by the way, he's going to encounter—is that where he encounters Vlad down there? Yeah. Fucking Vlad, who's you—first ca- of all, how— how did Vlad get out of that room and Vic couldn't get out of that room? Maybe Vic didn't want to get out of that room. I don't think Vic
1: wanted to get out of that room at all. And of course Vlad probably was the number one reason that Katrina
0: survived the fire at yeah, all. Yeah, he she was would have went to he, rescue. He was her. obsessed with we know that. We he know carried
1: f- on a picture of her in like um like a Cleopatra headdress. Not a picture, like a photograph, but like a picture, like a drawn picture. <laughs> like yeah. a hieroglyph almost. That he carried around in his pocket.
0: He was obsessed with it.
1: Totally. And even Vic was like, there's nothing between you guys anymore. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of an adorable little love triangle that is given really no attention at all. But that's Mm -hmm. fine. Just little quips like that is enough to build what Vlad's character is. He's not only just a henchman, but he's absolutely in love with Katrina.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, He's pretty pissed because he said, you killed my Katrina," But she's obviously not dead, so... Maybe that's just a, a guise on his.
0: Or maybe he, th- maybe he didn't realize that she escaped and he when didn't they help scattered her. Scattered in the well, yeah. confusion that was the fire. So he has, he basically is going to try to take out Allison, who, by the way, just before they go down into the sewers, decides, okay, stands on the sewer lid while he's trying to get and away. People
1: coming while, down the alleys at them. He's
0: like, okay, okay it's time. And she tells the whole story. My name is Allison, and we, we went to a party at this guy's house, and we played spin the bottle, and somebody else got the bottle, and then you nudged, them out, you nudged the bottle so you got to kiss me instead. And he, all he has to say to that is, you have great timing.
1: Yeah, doesn't even say whether he remembers or not. And at this point, we, we've we stopped caring.
0: Too, I, but so. it's so fucking weird, this pacing, this decision to have well, she's her. supposed
1: to be a weird, random girl. Isn't that what people dig, is weird and random?
0: No, th- no, this isn't fucking an episode of Family Guy. This is trying to be a character, trying to give you information and it makes no logical sense why she won't give her name, why she won't just say exactly where he, what the first, hey, it's me. Do you remember me? That the first time they met should have been, we did this, all this kind of crap together. We played spin the bottle. Why is, why, why? Why is this the thing that she's fucking doing? And why now? And the only reason why it is, is to cast very, Lazy doubt of if she's a vampire or not. That's the only reason why you're doing it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and and I and I and I'm saying the rest of your script is really solid. There's a smarter way to play this. Yeah, there really was. But but I guess if the and the smartest way to play it is she's a vampire. That's the smartest way to play it because you don't need to to. to
1: In a way, no. I like that she isn't though. um I do like that she isn't. But it is supposed to just also be another thing that's aggravating our friend Keith.
0: He's had a very bad day. It's a very bad day. <laughs> but when they're down in the sewer, there they are. Vlad has been dealt with. But oh shit, just when they think they're out of the woods, because he knows his way around these fucking... The, like a Sherpa,
1: it, like you said, which was hilarious yeah, to me. It,
0: um,
1: they find the lair, which is... The only other, like, sort of... It takes the story back into the gothic of mm-hmm, vampires. Because mm-hmm, right?
0: they're, they're in a crypt. They're a straight in a, a crypt. straight-up crypt? There's
1: coffins everywhere. There's yeah. corpses and, mm-hmm. and skeletons. And it's lit by candlelight. And there's some, for some reason, great big vats of gasoline down there, which mm-hmm. make no sense to me. And if there's one thing I really hate about this movie, it's that. Because they're vampires. Um, they're susceptible to flame. Why do they have great big oil drums full of gas? In their lair, I don't understand.
0: Light all the kerosene lamps, I guess. Oh,
1: I suppose, yeah, because you need that ambience of kerosene lamps.
0: Probably. They had that Egyptian bust there. That's cool.
1: Yeah, which was really cool. There was a sarcophagus there, which just little tiny hints of the great age of Katrina and the found of where these vampires had originated from mm-hmm. uh, just little tiny hints like that are really nice just peppered in a little bit here and there in the story and this is one of them uh that sarcophagus that does bear a resemblance to her
0: yeah absolutely and it, it's it's a cool aspect i love the i, I love vampires that are beyond ancient mm-hmm. thousands of years old
1: yeah
0: it's very very cool to think that for whatever reason, she would have come to the United States and just settled down here. She's been there for, we guess, at least 75 years, maybe a little bit further. Who knows when she, when Vic was approached. But let's say she's been in the United States for... It looks like those crypts have been down there for at least 100, 200 years. That's it's, why
1: she probably wouldn't have any lines because she doesn't speak English. Yeah. Right? Which is, is another, like, just a little tiny thing that that lends a lot of believability to all of this. Um, and, and the... The, the coolest thing is that some idiotic frat pledge and a brain-dead waitress can lay waste to this entire community.
0: Because this vampire... These vampires go... To, it's bedtime now. It's the end of the night. So they're like, we didn't catch those guys, but whatever. Bedtime. <laughs> I'm sleepy. Sleepy vampire boys. And they just fucking light the whole place up. Yeah. And the vampires just burn. And then in the struggle, we see them encounter Grace Jones, Katrina herself, who is not dead. Not wearing any wigs now. She's bald. She's bearing her fang. She looks pissed. She's super fucking pissed. They just
1: killed all of her posse, I guess. Yeah. Would Children. How
0: Children, would, yeah. How would you want to look at it that way? Could yeah. be
1: people that she's known that had been vampires along her, along, along with her from
0: thousands of years mm-hmm. ago. Who fucking Yeah. I mean, Vic, who seems the closest with her at least 75 years. Yeah. That's not an insignificant. Glad be-
1: ten times longer. Yeah, because Vlad- he's been with her since they were um, overseas. Yeah,
0: I I, I, get, I bet you he was probably overseeing her transfer from one end of the planet to the other.
1: Probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we we have this situation here. The the Synod, There's a really cool moment where he's where Keith is drawing his bow, and I really like this trickle of blood. It's
1: extremely tense because you know he can't hold that draw. The pressure of the draw on a bow and arrow, even the recurve bow that he's using, it it is a tremendous amount of pressure to hold the bow drawn like that. And Mm -hmm. the fact that his fingers are bleeding from that pressure and the fact that that's going to make that string slippery. And what he could have taken a shot... Just under right through Allison's clavicle. Could have. Yeah. And probably hit Grace Jones in the heart. Yeah. And is she's it- saying shooter, 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 because she's being held by Grace Jones, who's behind her, and, and knowing full well that she's using her as a human shield, but allison is just saying, like, shoot her, shooter, shoot her. So it's a very, very tense scene. He does notice one tiny pinpoint of sunlight mm-hmm. coming through somehow from above.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that
1: adds to the tension of the scene.
0: Yeah, because you're thinking, what's he going to do? Is he going to aim high? Is he going to try to knock that panel off and, and shower with sunlight? Mm-hmm. Or what? What is he going to do?
1: And the fact that if this scene carries on much longer, Grace Jones is smart and strong and looks... A- tremendously monstrous and starving and it the sun is coming out she she doesn't have much time she's just going to kill them both if she has a choice any second now so it's a super tense scene mm. straight out of a, a straight up bonafide horror film
0: yeah i really i really like it i mean grace jones looks fantastic in this makeup she looks
1: more fang
0: fantastic and well she gets shot in the mush right in the mouth, and it pins her to the back panel of the wall. And then uh, uh, Allison getting her gumption to try to puncture Katrina in the heart with a tube. Now, we pretty much think that the, the, Katrina is down for the count. She seems writhing in pain, but we definitely know that we're not seeing some telltale signs that this vampire has really done. Now, there's a couple of reasons that you could probably uh, surmise for this. One, the fact that Grace Jones is incredibly ancient, so it's not going to be so fucking easy to kill a vampire that old. Secondly, there's, it was a pipe. Like the, 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 There's no way to say that Allison even has the strength to get that deep enough.
1: That or if I were an old enough vampire, knowing what I know about corsetry and how much you can move your guts around, mm-hmm. I would do all I could to try and move my heart just enough out of the way where no one would think it would be. If I was a vampire and had all kinds of time to move my organs around. I would try and like get it more up into my shoulder or something. Something, I don't know. something like Somewhere that. Somewhere safer. But yeah. yeah, she is incredibly old and powerful. So she's not going to go down as quickly as, say, AJ.
0: Yeah, no, exactly.
1: Who's been a vampire for a half an hour.
0: But he's got a down pat. He knows exactly the ins and outs yeah. of vampires. Like, the Sherpa. I'm like <laughs> a Sherpa. He's the Sherpa of vampires, if you think about it. I want him to guide me through vampirism. Mm-hmm. But that's where the, the pinpoint of light comes into play. He basically just traps her within two beams of light. Which I
1: really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed this scene. And it is, again, like an extremely tense, extremely picturesque, horrifying scene with Grace Jones as one of the most monstrous vampires facing their death. Mm. Um, The effects being what they were at the time, it would have been like interesting to see them drag out this death scene a little more maybe i don't know Uh, but i I did like the uh, skin exploding off of the skull
0: turning to ash fluttering away from the body Uh, very interesting some people will opt to go the ooey gooey route with vampires a little
1: bit of this like melting upwards wax Mm -hmm. black wax sort of look that's I guess supposed to be just what's left of her body mm-hmm. returning to the ether mm-hmm, from whence mm-hmm. it came. Pretty interesting. They they try and they try a couple different things mm-hmm. with this death scene, but yeah. Know, ultimately,
0: effective. ultimately, Grace Jones gets burned down to her skeleton in a matter of seconds, and then still scrabbling. Still scrabbling, the skeleton still moves with otherworldly energies. I like the skeleton. The skeleton looks very cool. It's fanged. It's it looks uh, menacing, and she has the compunction to flip off Keith. And Allison. Yeah, just that
1: one finger raising, which reminded me somewhat of Father's Day when uh, yeah. we have a death scene of somebody giving someone else the finger mm-hmm. as they walk away heroically. And that's what we have here with Grace Jones. We're kind of tongue-in-cheek for someone as cool as Grace Jones, it, it, it a defi- vampire it, this
0: old. It definitely seems far more modern and... And, and I guess in her last moments of fleeting consciousness before it all went out forever, she just wanted to let them know on their terms and their language. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Right here, Keith. Right fucking here. We didn't ask you to come here. I don't. You. Your idiot friend came to make me fucking dance. Wanted yeah. me to dance at a fucking frat party. But we did miss out one thing. Hmm. It's that when it's that uh AJ is not dead.
1: Yeah, just as they're going to go up into the they're going to go up into the sunlight. Mm-hmm. They're g- climbing up the fucking ladder to leave the sewer and return to daylight and safety. And yeah, AJ's down there.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he well like he AJ impales someone from the back. Yeah. Was it Vlad that he got?
1: I thought it was the rat eating guy.
0: Right, 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 and impales him because because AJ uh, sorry Keith has this idea Keith has this idea where he's gonna get Allison to go up first into the sunlight to prove she's not a vampire yeah
1: which is yeah we've, we're pretty sure he's not a fucking vampire yeah but whatever
0: so he's worried about it yeah and she gets bathed in sunlight and sure enough she's fine mm-hmm. and. Just when they're about to get attacked for the final time by another vampire, we see a fucking stake go through someone's body. And holy shit, who saved them this time? Is it Snowball? No, it's, I wish. It's AJ. AJ fucking saved them. And it's because the piece of wood that they impaled with his heart with wasn't actually wood. It's Formica. <laughs> go figure. Typical 80s interior decorating. Right? And And now he's all... This is where like a new movie starts where now AJ doesn't want to die at all. Maybe I'll take in, maybe I'll take night school. Maybe I'll get a graveyard shift. This is the sequel of Vamp- my best friend's a vampire,
1: which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, but Keith is done with it. He doesn't even have words for him. He just takes his newfound girl, who he's not calling Hun.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they they're because the they're in love I hate these like. I, I can't stand in, in the midst of a crisis where you've barely you've barely had a re- conversation with this person. I get it in the fleet of danger and all that raw energy. Yeah. You might fuck, and also you might, or you might kiss or whatever because you just need to relieve some tension and fuck it. Rah, kiss. The last
1: on my mind, but yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. but but I mean... not. But to f- establish a
1: relationship?
0: Yeah, like, we're like, hey, hon, we're dating now. What is yeah. happening? Mm. I always want these movies to end with these two couples walking off into the distance and they get towards just out of sight. And she's like, so anyway, I live this way. Like
1: Puss in Boots and Kitty Softpaws.
0: <laughs> I've never seen Puss in Boots. Oh, my God.
1: It's, it would be much more fitting to be like Puss in Boots and Kitty Softpaws, but instead we get this uh, Herbie the Love Bug ending to this. Mm-hmm. But they are kissing in front of a plasma clinic, mm-hmm. which is kind of fitting. That's pretty funny. Of course, funny. It's a blood donors cl- clinic mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, yeah. For the yeah. vampire comedy that it is,
0: it's cool. What I like most about closing my notebook, I though,
1: love this because you have no fucking notes.
0: You know what Lydia, I just got a good brain. Yeah. What I like the most about Vamp, I I don't I don't I know, I wouldn't really make any comments about the fact that I like it better than Fright Night. Fright Night was a very it's such a big movie from my kittyhood like yeah, really me too. really young. But I what I will say and we don't need to to denigrate something to elevate something else. No. What I think though is if you guys like Fright Night if you guys liked Near Dark, if you guys like Lost Boys, if you guys like Martin, if you guys like Salem's Lot, then here's another one. Here's another great 80s, well, Salem's Lot* 70s, but here's another great vampire movie that you're going to have fun with. It's funny. It's a good watch with people movie. It's a good watch by yourself movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, It's an easy watch. I don't think that... You know, sometimes maybe you're not always in the mood to watch A Lost Boys because there's some serious, more serious. But if you just want to, I want to just like watch a movie and chill and have fun and laugh at the funny lines and see cool vampires do stuff. Yeah. And there's, and but there's enough subtext, I think, in a lot of these scenes to give you a little bit of nourishment while you watch it, you know? If
1: you've seen it before too, it's great to revisit and it's great to introduce to other people too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not even strictly as a horror movie. It's just a great yeah. to watch it's fun uh especially with people who are all uh into 80s resurgence and stuff like that yeah, yeah, so that absolutely. would definitely fit into that the, sort of I like, crowd. yeah
0: i like the music if and you've the,
1: never seen it
0: you really should fill that oh gap. yeah oh yeah, yeah. for sure if this is a if this is a film that you've not seen before the only the, the only complaints like i said the Allison character, those scenes are rough for me. They're they're.
1: Even though she is a good actress, so, so you it, at least it's, have it's that. Not, it's not her. It. It's yeah. not her. It's, it's the, it's the where,
0: writing. It, it's the writing and where she is in the, and where they are in the movie. Pacing and writing. And also, I would just like a couple more scenes with Grace Jones. A little bit more no, Grace Jones.
1: Oh, yeah. Her and Billy Draco.
0: Because
1: mm. I would watch... Well, I love it already, but I mean, I would love it doubly if there was more Grace Jones and more belly Drago. Oh, I'm <laughs> fangirling. I'm, I was
0: going to say, gonna you, you, I, I, I feel it. You're fangirling hard. Yeah. I like it. I like this energy that you're bringing. Hopefully you can bring that kind of energy to the next episode. What do we got next for him?
1: I drink your blood.
0: Oh boy. Is it going to get fucking buck wild in here?
1: It is. And it's like, you know, we have these little threads. Father's Day in Devamp. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever. There's
0: there's <laughs> yeah. there's bars, strippers. Bars,
1: strippers. Someone gives someone the finger. It's got the same sort of feel and especially Comedy. with the using the lighting the, the way the way that they were to um create these worlds that people were trapped in. Um yeah, yeah. Things that you could never come back from. You know, it's it's got its threads. Uh, I drink your blood is I Drink Your Blood.
0: I Drink Your Blood, an exploitation film from the decade of exploitation films where we will discuss the degradation of perception of the love movement from the 1960s into the 1970s. Yeah,
1: hate love. That's what I do here. And then we're going into Rabbit, which mm. f- that feeds into that just perfectly.
0: Oh, yeah. I really oh, yeah. That. Get some Cronenberg up in here. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. If you guys have any suggestions that you would like us to tackle on our show, we got a couple already. But if you would like to, you can go ahead and tweet us at WesDeadAirKnipe or at TypicalLydia. Also, on SplatterPictures.net, you can message us. People seem to like to put it in the About section, but you can put it anywhere. You can put it underneath this video entry or whichever. One of us will see it. Uh, Add it to the list if we can.
1: And definitely leave uh, reviews on iTunes. There are reviews on iTunes, but I'd love to see more because mm-hmm. I'd heard another podcast say it so much more eloquently than I uh, in that this will help other people be able to find our podcast. Mm-hmm. And actually, you had said on the last panels of blood, too, hadn't you?
0: Yeah the, yeah, the last panels of blood that I had done. I mean, the the metrics on iTunes, and, and you know this as an author. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the chance of a podcast visibility increases with reviews and it doesn't have to be six paragraphs about how much you love my voice it could just be hey cool podcast you guys should check it out hey i like this podcast a lot i love horror i love this podcast it could be a sentence
1: Because how, when i think about it like how did you find it i search for podcasts all of the time mm-hmm. and i usually search for a horror podcast some of them are harder to find than others i probably would have never found buying torture cast if i hadn't mm-hmm. listened to um the, another horror podcast that chris was on um, because it just didn't come up in the way that i was searching for it and now they have a lot more reviews and stuff like that but i am um, at the time it was a newer show i think they were on episode 30 or so when i found them but like that is how you find podcasts when i go looking for podcasts i try and look a little deeper because i know that the ones i want to listen to might not be the ones that are floating up to the top as it were mm-hmm. um especially with like you know, twenty some fucking podcast named Dead Air it doesn't help, but yeah. it would help if other people would mm-hmm. leave reviews on on iTunes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I, when I really love something, I do love to share it. Mm-hmm. I do like I do love Bind Torture Cast, so I share their show every chance I get. And I'd also like to on the side thank Chris again for recommending Vamp because I had a lot of fucking fun watching this movie. But like podcasts. There was one that I listened to most recently called Stranglers. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's into these true crime podcasts, I know that's like a huge thing right now, too. Like a really huge thing Um, and something that's definitely on our minds here at Dead Air. Stranglers covers the Boston Strangler, and I think it's 13 episodes, and it covers all the different angles that that investigation took and all the other
0: possibilities
1: for the Boston Strangler. They might have not had the right man. It was a really fascinating fucking show. I had a lot of fucking fun listening to that.
0: Mm, if you guys have any interest in true crime, you should definitely check that out. That sounds really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'll mention it here. Um, those of you probably noticed uh, there was no panels of blood issue- Yes, we uh, noticed Wes. <laughs> there was no, there was no panels of blood um, episode or issue or however you want to call it. Uh, I just couldn't get my week together, and it didn't. I didn't feel like. I should rush it.
1: I was worried that you hadn't picked something yet, and you were like needing another week
0: to. Well, that was part of it because I was, you know, there's all the self doubt. the The first, the first six episodes encompass one story that Nancy A. Collins did about Vampirella. And if you guys haven't gone back and listened to those episodes, somebody was saying, "Which episode should I start with?" Episode one, the beginning, yeah, the <laughs> beginning. So that's one whole block. And you can get the whole story. It's a really, really cool story. And I think that um, vampire fans will really like it because Nancy Collins really knows her shit when she's talking about this uh, stuff. And uh, so what we have, I was really confused. Do I go modern? Do I do something? I you know I was thinking about revival. I was thinking about hack slash two Tim Seeley things. I, I was, was thinking th- about lock and key. Lock and key. There's another really great one that I could be doing. Um, I was thinking as like, do I want to do something like Swamp Thing? Do I want to do what do I want to do? What do I want to do. So what I thought I would do is when I can't figure out what to do, I look back and what we're going to do is we're going to open the pages of some EC comics. From back in the day, and we're going to do some classic tales from the crypt stories.
1: Which I really, I'm really, really stoked that you've decided to do this, and I really hope that if you do do something that has a longer run, mm-hmm. like Vampirella did, you know, something like it's like four to ten episodes that in between times when you're in limbo, that you'll feed us a little uh, classic EC and mm-hmm. old Tales from the Crypt and old Creepy maybe,
0: or yeah. even new Creepy. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, I would uh, love that. Yeah, I mean, it's a part of it is 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 kind of uh, do I do I have the books already? And in the case of I have um, pre code comic books in archive sets, and I have the Tales from the Crypt in archives, and I have New Creepy and some old Creepy and you know, some old eerie as well. Okay. So there, so I have a lot of those books. Because I, I I think that one of the things that I've shown people pages of the EC Comics archives and shit, and one of the first comments that I got, which I found really interesting, was how dense it is. It's a six-page story with thousands of words on it. Yeah, and and I was like, that's how they did it—the the twist endings and the really dense panels and the the gridding on the pages are really it's more dense.
1: like Twilight Zone than Casper.
0: Yeah, it, exactly. And and uh, and so I think since I was kind of. Teetering on talking about the, the, the comic book crisis of the 1950s, I thought that it might be cool to, to read some of the books that people like Frederick Wortham and Senator Kefaufer were challenging, their very existence. And uh, so I think that'll be fun. And then after we do a couple, maybe an episode or two of some short EC comics, I'm going to cherry pick some of my personal favorites, what I think best represents the Tales from the Crypt series we will move on to another block story so we can get into another story for you guys to enjoy.
1: Exciting stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Exciting stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our episode 102.
0: I know. I'm super excited that we're getting this far.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're only two episodes past 100, and we're, like, excited about it. I guess it's when you're, like, Getting really old and you've had a couple heart attacks that every day is fucking exciting. That's about where we feel we are.
0: This is a podcast gift. Yeah. <laughs> the gift much. of life and podcasts.
1: Well, it feels more, much more precious now that we're bi weekly. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy that uh, we still have the gumption to bring this to you guys and we're not as tired out and have lots of time to bring you things like the sequel to Nightface.
0: Face, mm-hmm. uh,
1: more articles and panels of fucking blood.
0: Yeah, that's going to be my new title, Panels of Fucking Blood. Ah, that sounds perfect. (laughs) I'm Wes Knight.
1: I'm Typical Lydia.
0: And you've been listening to Dead Air.